I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that P to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short Business and Buckets we are live, episode 118, coming at you on this beautiful Wednesday evening in Phoenix, Arizona, one of the hottest destinations in the country right now. You got Super Bowl weekend, you got the waste management open, it's gonna be a party this weekend. I have some friends coming from Seattle to come visit, uh, it's gonna be a good weekend, I'm fired up, but besides all that, we're heading to Perth, Australia for some UFC action, pound for pound, number one, number two, with one of the best stage fights that you can get. But before we talk all that, we're going to talk the one and only sponsor here at the Business and Buckets podcast, and that is Fueled Supplements. And it's a new year. I mean, shoot, it's already midway through February. Summer is right around the corner. That means less clothing and bathing suit days on the water. Summertime will be here before you know it. Get your summertime shine with Fueled Supplements, Advanced Thermogenic, and Feel Good Formula, Showtime. Now, Showtime contains the only two clinically tested and patented ingredients scientifically proven to enhance thermogenesis. But besides fat burning, Showtime also increases energy, boosts mood, provides a sense of euphoria, suppresses appetite, enhances mental clarity, focus, and concentration. So for all optimal results, stack with counterattack. Get yours exclusively at FueledSupplements.com. Again, you find yourself like, man, I want to get some supplements. I want, I want to get a, you know, I want to be summertime fine. That lean killing machine will go to Field Supplements, help a small business, local business, and see what they got to offer. I'm telling you, I use the supplements myself. High quality stuff, great price. Again, small business, you're not going to GNC, you're not providing, you know, the big corporations more money. Just check them out and use my promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S, for 15% off the products. Save while you're doing it, you know what I mean? But episode 118, we have some fun shit going down. Uh, again, I'm in the process of rebranding the pods. I got some intro music from some from some of my buddies that are rappers, you know, local made. Super excited to get this shit going. Lots of moving parts. Uh, you know, I'm, I have to go through TikTok and social media university, uh, editing, <laughs> editing school for social media. All this stuff I was originally going to pay someone to do. I'm going to manage it in house. More work on the plate, but better product delivered. Anyways, lots of uh, moving pieces there. And before we talk MMA, this past weekend, I always, you know, a little life recap. Like, Shane, tell me a little bit about what's going on. Well, this past weekend, I went to Prescott, Arizona, met up with a good buddy from college, shout out Jace, and uh, went rabbit hunting, which I've never done before. You know, growing up in Montana, Wyoming, hunting's pretty traditional. I've been shooting guns since I could ever remember. Young age, you know, pellet gun pulling back the, the the trigger or the cock action to load up. Snaps your fingers. I'd be crying. feel like I'm a pretty damn good shot. Anyways, uh, got to camp in the desert, which was fun. The, the, you know, the desert landscape, the, the amazing sunsets and sunrises that you get in the valley. Went hunting for rabbits in the evening. My buddy got one. I didn't get any. And then in the morning, your boy got two. My buddy got one, cooked up some rabbit stew. I'm not a big fan of rabbit, but it was a fun recreational thing. Go camping, have some some brouhaha's, have a good night on the fire. Um, wake up early, shoot some rabbits. Your boy's got his shot. I went two for two. You already know, though. Uh, really different experience for me, though. I've never done that. I wasn't a bird hunter growing up. I had some friends that were super into that. But it felt good just, you know. Little, little testosterone boost, shooting some a animals, shooting some guns. It was a nice little desert fun. And uh, 
One of the weird things is when we were having our bonfire, there's this little mouse um, that just kept hanging out with us. It was literally in the fire. My foot would be here. It would be here. I'd try to scare it away. It wasn't scared. Called him Stuart Little. Um, you know, it's just funny not living in this climate or landscape my whole life. The kind of animals and, and different experiences. I just thought it was so crazy. This little mouse in the desert's hanging out with us. Damn near living in the fire, setting himself on fire. Wasn't afraid of us. Uh, just, uh, you know, en enjoying all of life's experience, being grateful along the way. But I am grateful for some of these fights that have been booked. Golly. We got Michael Chiesa, Lee Jingliang, UFC 287. I mean, talk about a scrap. Veteran. I mean, two veterans. Uh, different styles should be a fun one. Lots uh, in stake for this fight. Um, Cody Garbrandt had Julio Ars pull out. He's really been struggling to get an official opponent. Things, you know, actually happening. But uh, insert Trevin Jones. So we got Trevin Jones, Cody Garbrandt, UFC 285. A lot of people are super excited to, to see Cody Garbrandt back in the octagon. You know, I'll tune in. I, I don't have high expectations. Trevin's a guy that you better watch out. He could catch you. We also have Brad Tavares, Bruno Silva. I mean, another scrap happening on April 22nd. Brad Tavares was supposed to fight Gregory Rodriguez in Rio de Janeiro. Had some injuries or something. But now he gets Bruno Silva. Regardless, both awesome stylistic fights. Speaking about styles, I try to tell you guys about my guy, Venetius Salvador. He is booked. Dana White Contender Series alum taking on Victor Altamirano, March 25th. I can't wait to see this kid in the octagon. I, I expect a high, you know, uh, a viral performance, so to speak, and I'm sure the fans are going to love that. And I'll just be sitting back enjoying it, said, I told you so. We have Waldo Cortez Acosta, another Dana White Contender Series alum, already with a, a, a win or two under his belt. Well, he is taking a step up in competition. He is fighting Marcos Rogerio de Lima, April 29th. Uh, you get the big boys in the octagon. You already know someone's getting knocked out. Grab your popcorn. We got, for the probably like a bajillionth time, an, an amazing flyweight fight booked. You know, uh, you can't get your hopes up too much with, with all the pullouts. But I already know Raw Dog's coming. We got Brandon Rod Dog, Roy Vall, Matthäus Nicolau, April 15th. Number one contender uh, style fight here to see who could fight Brandon Moreno for the title unless Brandon loses in his next shot, which I'm assuming, like we called it right here at Business and Buckets, is going to be Pento um, Pentoja in the technical trilogy, but second time in the UFC. We have... Jess, Jess, Jessica Rose Clark taking on Tainara Lisboa, May 13th. Um, going to be great to see Jess, Jess back in the octagon. And then officially, official Ultimate Fighter fans, get ready to have some fun. We get Connor McGregor, Michael Chandler, complete opposites, amazing fighting styles, and, and just so much for legacy on the line for these guys. And supposedly, I haven't seen a lot of validation here, but the Ultimate Fighter is going to be Vets versus Pros, which I can't wait to get more information on because how are you going to coax veterans and it's partaking in the Ultimate Fighter against up-and-comers? You know, maybe it's guys that they have a fight left on their contract, the UFC saying, hey, you, you got to do this to, to fight for your UFC life, basically. Because uh, if you're a veteran, I don't know what the intrigue is on this besides maybe some brand marketing or building capabilities but either way i'm super stoked if you could say shane give me a fight where connor has potential to win but is going to be fucking box office this is the fight this is the fight since you know potential rumors have circulated that i've been so pumped for i am just imagining las vegas t-mobile chandler and connor the first two minutes it's going to be wild. So can't wait to see that. And then for this next weekend's uh, bout, we have, uh, not this coming one, but the next one, 
Talia Santos, Aaron Blanchfield, now the main event after um, the change with Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Cheeto Vera that it will be headlining San Antonio, which, you know, it's got to be brutal for those guys. They're in the midst of fight camp. They're they're about to fight in probably like 10, 15 days out. You get notified you're going to get moved almost a whole month out. Cannot be easy. Um you know, I have no idea where their weight situations are and what's going on there, but that's got to be a lot of complications. But they get a fight in front of fans, deservedly so. Get them out of the apex. And to be honest, Aaron Blanchfield, Talia Santos, these are two two high-level women. Blanchfield wins this fight. You know, might as well give her a title shot. Uh, Santos wins this. She's right back up there in the mix. Some of the best talented women in all of UFC. And... I saw this on Twitter earlier. It seems official. Dan Hooker broke his hand, is not going to be able to fight Jalen Turner, but Jalen Turner is expected to stay on the UFC 285 card. The Tarantula will be looking for a new opponent. Drew Dober, where are you at? Um, Bummer that that happens, but I'm sure I am positive there will be a high-quality opponent subbing in for UFC 285. And... um. I'll just say, when it comes to Bobby King Green, you never really know what's going on, but he had uh, posted today, or had, you know, things have circulated on the interwebs, that uh, Bobby Green will be retiring after his fight against Jared Gordon, You know, a guy that's been in many promotions for quite some time, had a lot of ups and downs, a fan favorite guy like Bobby Green's fighting, I'm fucking tuning in, uh, and he's local from here, pretty close, trains close to where... I live, I actually went to their gym when I was looking for jiu-jitsu gyms. Um, ownership change, I don't know if he still trains there, but I know he did at one point. Ended up not doing it. Um, but, you know, a local guy right here, uh, you know, I'd love to get him on the podcast one day. His Joe Rogan episode was a lot of fun, but supposedly this might might be his last time in the octagon. And another fighter that we thought probably would not see in the UFC again anytime soon Kevin Lee re-signing with the UFC, the Motown phenom. I mean, this kid has had some high-quality fights, a, a guy that I like tuning into, signed with Eagle FC. I'm not sure what's going on with the Eagle FC thing without Khabib. I'm sure it's losing a lot of luster. But Kevin Lee's only 30 years old. He's right in his prime. Let's give him some high-quality opponents. Let's get him in that octagon as soon as possible. Regardless of that, we're going to recap fight night, the late night fight night with the road to the UFC uh, results and Bellator 290. And the way I see it, you know, Bellator is obviously trying to compete with ratings with the UFC. This is one of their biggest, most baddest cards. It's on CBS. It's on Paramount Plus. And I think the way I summed it up, I was in the desert, pretty tuned up watching Bellator on my phone. There was service. Um, I wanted to make sure I watched it. I tried to watch some UFC, but I passed out before it really got going. I ended up watching the replays. I got ESPN plus. So just on high level gut like this, you know, this is me just off the tip of my tongue. This is how I felt about it because this is a huge moment for Bellator to pull in some hardcore MMA fans, some UFC fans like myself to turn them into like, Hey, you need to tune into Bellator. Check out what Bellator has going on. This is what's going on. And as I've told you guys, I've really tried to balance that line because every time I get excited of potential Bellator fights, they always let me down. There's only one, maybe two good fights. The production's not there. The analysts aren't there. You know, they're just losing. They're not losing, but they, they just lack the high quality. It's literally like major leagues versus minor leagues, right? It's the, the NFL versus the USFL, the XFL, and everybody else. And that's just the honest-to-God truth. So I really wanted to come in, no biases aside, and tune into Bellator 290 and, and, and see how I feel compared to the fight night and see if, in my opinion, they would lure in a lot of fans. And I just don't think that was the case. I mean, we'll stop at the start at the top down. You had Ryan Bader defeat Fedor Emelianenko via first round TKO. You know, Fedor, let's, let's go factual here. He's pretty freaking old. I want to say he's, he was 46, which could you imagine taking shots to the head at 46? 
46 years old, one of the most glorified Bellator fighters of all time. And the first time he fought ba uh, Ryan Bader, he knocked him out in like 20-something seconds, maybe 30-something. So, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of expectations from real fight fans. But you get Fedor, his retirement fight. You know, this is a big deal. Did not deliver, right? I would have rather watched something else. Uh, Johnny Eblen, a guy, high-quality, well-rounded mixed martial artist, can wrestle, can strike, got the cardio, got the whole thing. Defeats Anatoly Tokov, the unanimous decision, and regains his title. I watched Johnny Eblen um, hump Gregard Musasi in Tacoma, Washington in person. I like Johnny Eblen, but, you know, he he was on the MMA Hour. I watched it with Ariel Hawani. Ariel Hawani was kind of tuning him up. But let's be honest. When it comes to the quality of fights... In Bellator compared to the UFC, I love Ryan Bader, but would he be a top ten ranked fighter in the UFC at the heavyweight division with the, the heavy with the Cyril Gons, the Pavloviches, the Romanovs? I mean, it's hard to say, right? Now you have Johnny Eblen, who fights in middleweight, undefeated, beats Musasi. Musasi's way past his prime. Has a decent win against Tokov. Was tested. Definitely lost the first round, in my opinion. Got his shit together. But they want to say, I could beat anyone in the UFC roster. And I'm here to tell you, you know, not to just shoot Johnny Evelyn's dreams down. I mean, he, he's getting better. He's still somewhat young. Let's see how old he is. 31, he's right in his prime. Tough, has a lot of things going for him. But Israel Adesanya, Pieta, Whitaker, Cannoneer, Vittori, Brunson, Costa, Dolidzi, Duplessis. Like, all these guys, Duplessis would be a great fight for him. But he would be borderline in the top 10, at best, in the UFC. It's just, you know, there's just levels to this game. And I know they want to market themselves and have the confidence. If you're a fighter and you think you can't, you, you've already been defeated, right? Even in jiu-jitsu, you, you grapplers, if I go to jiu-jitsu back, just like, I, I can't, I probably won't be this guy. You're going to get your ass kicked, right? I've been there as a high school wrestler. Men mentality is majority of it. So my saying, Johnny Eblen should say, hey, I, you know, I don't, I think I could be maybe top 10, but I don't think I could beat him. No, absolutely not. But as a podcaster, analyst of the UFC of MMA in general, I'm here to tell you he, he will not <laughs> beat the top people in the UFC. He wouldn't even be close. So those two fights, the first one definitely, or the top uh, fight with Fedor, definitely underwhelming. Johnny Eblen, decent fight, not, nothing too high class. You had Brandon Ward defeat Sabah Hamase versus, uh, via second round TKO. This was a great performance by Brendan Ward. You know, a guy that's been in and out of fighting, uh, battling drug uh, uh, drug abuse, things of that nature. Great performance, and probably one of my f one of my favorite fighters to watch on the roster. Lawrence Larkin beat Mukhamed um, Berkamov via first round knockout. Great performance, fucking huge elbow. It was beautiful, and then. Um, the rest were decisions. You had Henry Kralis beat Ahmed Magomedov. I thought that was a pretty good fight. And I was so confused because the order was, I think, after Brendan Ward's fight was supposed to be the Neiman Gracie fight, but it happened after the Fedor fight. You know, it's just, they do shit like that you don't even know, right? And if, if you're on mobile, it's hard to access CBS. It's hard to access Paramount. It's just not user-friendly. And UFC has taken years to get to that point and, and it just shows you how hard it is to build a, a legit fan base in a sport when you're not the main the main dog and uh yeah i mean neiman gracie ended up beating dante shiro via unanimous decision i missed it you know i wanted to see gracie fight you see anyone with the gracie in their name you want to check them out but it was just it was a weird situation and we'll break down the ufc card i'm not saying the ufc card was phenomenal by any means um, pretty close to competition, honestly, from, 
the, the fight night in Bellator, like I think they're both pretty equal. And this was one of the worst UFC cards I've seen in quite some time. The road to the ultimate fighter brought some more intrigue to it. But I just, I, I don't see Bellator ever getting there. And then you look at the ratings. I think it was one of their top five highest rating Bellator cards. And it doesn't even meet to WWE on a Wednesday or UFC prelims, pay-per-view prelims. Not even close. So they had like 800,000 UFC prelims on most cards. Average like 2 million. So yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've really attempted to give it a shot, but it's basically just tune in for the big, the big fights. I mean, you're looking at a lot of the guys that aren't in the top 10, like outside of their top 10, it's just, it's brutal. Unless you have a, an, an Usman Nurmagomedov that's very young, moving his way up early, you know, just some random guy that you know is going to be a stud, but it's, it's hard to really take Bellator seriously. And I've tried with PFL and other promotions, but speaking of the PFL, they announced some fights in Vegas for their April uh, bouts. You know, supposedly these aren't finalized. They're pulling a book out of Dana White's um, uh, uh, playbook. They didn't, you know, this was news to a lot of fighters. Bouts aren't finalized, so hold your breath. But the announced bouts are pretty intriguing. Yeah, Brendan Longnane, the uh, PFL champion, taking on Marlon Marias, ex UFC Savage. I mean, Marlon Marias has been through some fucking wars and has performed many of many of beautiful uh, MMA performances. And this is going to be a great fight, a great test. You know, he lost his first PFL bout, so I'm really interested to see how he rebounds. I saw him in person. Well, saw the MMA Hour episode where he was in person with Ariel Hawani. And, uh, you know, he's got the right mindset. I'm really intrigued to see how it plays out. Um, but that, that's an interesting fight. You know, I, I want to tune in for that. You got Robert Wilkinson, Tiago Santos. I forgot Santos is even in the PFL. That's wild. Uh, another ex-UFCer, Jorgen DiCastro, Ante D'Elia. But, like, these fights... All three of them. Do you tune in if you're not an ex, a, a legit UFC fan? Absolutely not. And no one even fucking knows about them unless it's ex-UFC. This is how they're living, right? Uh, Larissa Pacheco, who just uh, shocked the world, had the, the huge upset of Kayla Harrison taking on Julia Budd. And Olivier Aboun Mercier versus Shane Burgos. I expect Shane Burgos to clean house in this division. Probably one of the only and few people that I've seen come in, uh, leave the PFL or leave the UFC, take a big payday from another promotion, you know, in their prime and a guy who's been battle tested and, and fucked people up in the UFC roster, go somewhere else. So great slate of fights. Again, supposedly these aren't finalized. Bout agreements aren't signed. So hold your breath. But those are some potentially good matchups and I'll definitely be talking about them. Hopefully they don't uh, shatter my dreams like the Bellator cards usually do. And then Jorge Masvidal talking shit about how Jake Paul thinks he could run his promotions and does it all with YouTube celebrity boxers. Gamebred four. He does MMA bare knuckle. He's doing boxing. He does all these things. Goes on Ariel Hawani's MMA hour and breaks news of a fucking awesome boxing card with a lot of ex-UFC names. That's what sells, right? UFC guys will get you sales. Ariel was saying like, well, hey, how do you pay these guys? What's going on? And the way I translated it is, you know, Masvidal, an active guy in the UFC, played to the UFC's hand, and Dana White gets Dana White in his corner, helps him get these types of promoted fights. But this is more interesting than the PFL and Bellator, in my opinion. And they're only boxing fights. And a lot of these guys don't have boxing bouts on their record. And this is professional boxing fights. It's going down in uh, Fears Eve Arena, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks Arena in Milwaukee. You got the local Anthony Pettis boxing Roy Jones Jr. I mean, in, if you're a real MMA fan like me early in UFC when it's a jiu-jitsu guy versus a wrestler, a wrestler versus a boxer, a Muay Thai versus a judo, you know, you didn't have people that were so well-rounded in the arts. And um, you see shit like this. Anthony Pettis, Roy Jones Jr. Like, what fucking world do we live in? And this just shows you how awesome the, the world of mixed martial arts is going to just develop and grow over the years. But, wow, I mean, that's going to be fun. 
Uh, Jose Aldo, the king of Rio, retired no more. Has a boxing bout supposedly this month in February. Is taking on Jeremy Stevens in the uh, with, with the big gloves. That's going to be a lot of fun stylistically. Jacare Souza, Vidor Belfort. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Paul Daly, Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor. I hope Paul Daly does slight work there. And then Gina Mazzini versus Pearl Gonzalez. I mean, give it up to Jorge Masvidal. You know, he talks a lot of game. He's he, I don't think he's a title contender in the UFC. Kamara Usman showed him why he wasn't. But a very well-rounded guy. A guy that started with Kimbo Slice in backyard brawls for cash in South Florida. Is putting on. He gets to fight in Miami. He gets to put on his boxing promotion. That's the American dream if I've ever seen one. Fucking amazing. And uh, I'm interested to see what he keeps he keeps doing with these promotions. They're showed on Fight Pass. He's got a great thing going. And uh, cheers to you, Masvidal. Your boy is tuning in. And then before we break down uh, the Fight Night card, we had some big news in the MMA management space. Longtime Paradigm agent Tim Simpson has now founded and started up his new firm called the Chosen Advisory Group. His initial roster is Israel Adesanya, um, Yuri Prashaka, Max Holloway, Casey O'Neill, Jack Della Madalena, Muhammad Makayev, Jack Hermanson, Don Madge. So some, some high-quality guys that he's bringing over, a little split in the agency. Uh, some interesting stuff there for sure. And then lastly, in the boxing world, Anthony Joshua is fighting again against Jermaine Franklin. I have no idea who that is. Um, Anthony Joshua, probably one of the more hyped boxers that's underperformed. Let's see what he could do. April 1st in London in the O2. I will be interested to see if he could climb back to where he was. But let's talk UFC Fight Night Vegas 68. I went four and two in my picks. Um, you know, some fights that I was going to break down but didn't. I, I'm doing the same with the UFC 284 this weekend. But Jung Young Park had a first round submission via rear naked choke. Nice win by him. Hun Sung Park had a third round submission via rear naked choke for the flyweight championship. Good performance by him. Battled, found a way to get the neck at the end of the fight. And then Rinya Nakamura won the bantamweight championship with a first round knockout. I mean, these guys went bonkers with everything they had to start the fight. And Nakamura was able to outlast and find the target a little bit more than his opponent. Got the early first round knockout. Performance of the night. Welcome to the fucking UFC and welcome to the stacked bantamweight division. Um, we had Jing Young Lee uh, with a split decision for the featherweight championship. And Anshul Jubilee for the second round knockout for the lightweight championship. Good performance by him. Um, the other fighters are mostly Japanese and Korean. I believe he was Indian. Got the uh, knockout. Welcome to the UFC roster. And then Kyle Nelson had a majority draw. Kind of a, you know, weird thing where they docked the other fighter a, a point that led to the draw. Dana White said that's BS. I'm still going to pay the fighter as he had won. Um, but yeah, interesting things happening early. But we're going to start with the first fight of the night. In the prelims, we had Tatsuro Tyra with a second round submission via triangle armbar over Jesus Aguilar performance of the night. I'm going to tell you guys right now, watch out for Tatsuro Tyra, a young fucking stud. This fight just made me enjoy what he does even more. To have adversity right at the beginning of the fight, you have all this adrenaline, you're fucking hyped up, you're warmed up, you've been warming up, you're trying to like get in the flow state, you have your coaches telling you stuff, you have the energy of the arena, you're in the States, you're in Vegas, and... Uh, Jesus Aguilar puts you in a spot, man. He lands and loads up some big kicks, gets him in a guillotine, which is his move, shorter, stockier fighter for flyweight, and has it deep. And Tatsuru Tyra is calm, cool, collected, finds a way to get out of it, not only get out of it, but get a reversal and get a uh, triangle arm bar. He's going for the triangle. It's pretty deep. Then he, he sees that his, his arm's right here on his chest. He just pulls back, gets the arm bar. Brilliant performance.
performance. Tatsuru Tyra. It only took him five strikes, one significant strike, uh, one takedown, and two submission attempts. And Jesus just landed two total strikes, which were too significant, and the submission attempt of his own. But those leg kicks had some fucking power. The guillotine was deep. Uh, deep. A lot of guys could have just freaked themselves out, put themselves in a bad position, and been submitted early on. But not the young stud, Tatsura Tyra. Great fucking showdown. So what's next for this young stud? I'm saying give me a step up. Give me Jeff Molina or Tagir Ulenbekov. He is ready for the big stage. I think you showcased that last weekend. And for Jesus, how about Carlos Moda as he looks to get back on track? And that's all we talked about in the prelims, the first fight of the evening. Why? Because I'm telling you, Tatsuru Tyra, get to know this young stud. But we had three fights uh, that we are going to break down in the main card, starting with Marcin Tibir Tibera with unanimous decision over Blagoy Baga Ivanov. This was another fight I got correct. And the funny thing here is a lot of, you know, Blagoy has not been super active. We talked about this last week, breaking the card down. But the way he wins is dirty boxing, putting your body on you, and wrestling against uh, his opponent. And Marcin has definitely shown to do that. He's got the bigger frame, a little bit taller, a little bit quicker. But they just slugged it out for two rounds, and they did not wrestle until round three, where Marcin saw that Tibera was, or that Ivanov was quite tired, went for uh, the takedown, got it, and was able to uh, secure the victory with that. But the first two rounds, high quality veteran striking. I thought Blagoy was landing some more of the power shots. Marcin was a little bit quicker, but a little bit hesitant as he didn't want to put himself in harm's way, get clinched, get put up against the cage. But, dude, Tibera is on a tear, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. Um, a lot of people easily thought Rom, uh, Alexander Romanov would walk through him, and, you know, he showed him his, his, his spot where he deserves to be. This is another good win against a very, very good veteran Sambo-style fighter. Uh, statistically, Marcin landed 61 total strikes, 40 of those significant. He had a takedown as well compared to Blagoy's 34 total and significant strikes. So quite a bit higher volume over the time. A lot of that was third round being on top against some ground and pound. So Marcin extends his winning streak to two. He has won eight of his last nine fights. This is the shit I'm talking about. He somehow drops in the rankings to number 11, which really does not make much sense. And Blagoy starts a new losing streak. He is only 1-1 one one since 2021, and he stays at number 15 in the heavyweight division. Now, I would love to see Tibera and Jarzinho Rosenstrike, two guys, high-quality heavyweights, I don't think get enough credit. And this would be a fight as both are ready to really take that step up and get the credit where they deserve so they can fight for that. It would be a great fight for fans. And then for Blagoy, give him Chris Dacus. That would make sense. For the big dog. In a fight I did not get correct. I mean, come on now. Devin Clark with the unanimous decision over Dewoon Jung. I've seen him as Desung Jung. Dewoon Jung. I, I, I don't really know what's going on there. But the biggest thing I realized, and uh, I believe it was Biz being, maybe Laura Senko was saying it. Again, shout out Laura Senko. First color commentary. As a woman in the UFC, she killed it. Um, Tevin Clark is a big dude. When I mean big dude, thick. It's thick boy season. His thighs look like fucking, you know, a pack of fucking shotgun shells. And a lot of these light heavyweights are big dudes, but he just looks like he's been a wrestler. He's got that background. And boy, did he put it to show. Um, I, I was really impressed by the way he battled through the three rounds. Uh, Jung was able to get himself with the longer, like lengthier frame out of clinches, was able to get good reversals. Even when he got taken down, he got back up. He battled. He, he had a lot of good counterattacks. He really, every time Devin had success was able to revert that, but Devin just showed the heart of a, the war of a warrior. And I think it's one of his better wins. He is a dog and nobody wants to fuck with Devin Clark. Um, he just, you know, can never string together the wins, which it's very tough to do in the UFC. 
But I was impressed by both fighters. I did think um, Jung was going to get the win, but Devin Clark showed out in this fight. Uh, statistically, Jung landed 43 total strikes, 18 of those significant, and he had one takedown in five attempts. And Devin landed 96 total, so quite a bit more, with 39 of those significant, and he had three take three takedowns, although 11 attempts. So they both wrestled quite a bit, not super successful, um, but they fucking emptied the tank for, for three rounds, and it was fun to watch. You know, the, these three fights, or well, these two, we'll talk about the third one in a minute, Higher, like it just shows you how much higher quality the fighting is. I thought we watched better martial arts, higher quality production, just the whole deal than what we saw on Bellator in prime time, one of their bigger, better cards on CBS. It just shows you like Johnny Eblen, I love you, but I, I just I don't see a lot of what's going on in Bellator and the UFC. There's just levels to this game, and uh, the UFC gets the best in the world for a reason. So Devin starts a new winning streak. He is two and one since 2022 and he has one win at heavyweight. He was struggling, went and fought at heavyweight to get a dub, get that momentum back. Now he's on a two fight winning or two and one since 2022. And, um, Daun Jung, I didn't even put on here how he did. Let's, let's Google it real quick. All right. He is on a two-fight losing streak. He is 2-2 two and two since 2021. He has fought some good names, though. Dusta Jacoby, Kennedy and Shukwu, William Knight. Um, but I, I, I'm really impressed with him. At 29 years old, he's just entering his prime. We'll see a lot more of him. I would love to see him take on Nikolai Nigamaranu next. Um, stylistically, two guys coming through the, through the promotion, really trying to make a name for themselves. Let's see who's ready for a stiffer competition. And for T uh, Devin Clark, how about Kennedy and Shukwu? I think that would be a fun, fun fight. Either way, great fight between these two fighters. I was super impressed with Devin Clark. He enjoys some flowers. Give it to him. And then the main event of the evening. The one stipulation I had for my picks, I, I did pick Sergey. I picked him when they originally were supposed to fight. As you see this photo of... Derek Lewis running Houston at the angle. You're almost like, is it an angle that makes him look so thin? What's going on? But the day away ends, you could clearly see that he has definitely transformed his body. And I'm like, we're about to see a Glover to share a, you know, career like reincarnation. And uh, that wasn't quite the case as the polar bear was looking for a blood. Sergey Spivak first round submission via arm triangle choke over the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. And there wasn't a lot here. I mean, Derek did lose a bunch of weight, looked good, but he just still struggles if someone's going to go grapple him, and that's exactly what Spivak did. Statistically, Derek landed absolutely nothing, while Sergey landed 36 total strikes, 12 of those significant, and he had six takedowns and eight attempts with the submission attempt. Tough night in the office. And if you stayed awake, especially if you're on the East Coast, Brutal main event for the evening there. But not any worse than Bader and Fedor. So Derek has lost three in a row. He has not won since late 2021. He does move down three spots in the rankings to number 10. Sergey is on a three-fight winning streak. All of those via finish, and he moves up four spots in the rankings to number eight. So what's next for the big dogs? Give me a rematch of Spivak and Ty to Avasa. That would make a lot of sense. They fought early in their careers. Or if not, give them the veteran Alexander Volkov. And for Derek, give him a good quality veteran affair. How about Andre Orlovsky, the Black Beast? Let's make it happen. But hey, I mean, we, we've talked a good amount of, of, you know, this Bellator versus UFC shit. But this weekend, it is going down. Perth, Australia, UFC 284, early prelims on Fight Pass, prelims on ESPN at 5 Pacific Standard Time. And there's some pretty good fights that we won't be breaking down. I thought about breaking them all down. But I want to be honest, like, for a pay-per-view card with such good high-quality fights at the end of the card, the card top to bottom isn't as deep as I was thinking it was going to be. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I just 
remember looking at this card like this is going to be a deep card and it really isn't the case so Zubaira Tukagov is fighting to start the early prelims that's worth tuning into and I was going to break down these fights but I think both of these winner both of these guys win and it's you know I'm, I'm talking about a fight early but it's probably because you guys don't know who he is most people probably know Tyson Pedro Jamie Malarkey they're they're going to be fighting in front of their home crowds in the prelims we're not breaking them down uh, I think they're pretty manageable opponents and uh Tyson Pedro's fighting a guy that couldn't even make the heavyweight limit so it's just like what are we talking about here that's all I could really say about his opponent um but we're going to start in the early prelims we got Shane Gillette no I'm just kidding Shane smoking young 29 years old with a 13 and 6 record taking on Blake El Animal Builder the 32 year old fighter with a 7 and 0 and 1 record and uh, I'm excited. I mean, we get a early in the card, Strikler versus Wrestler. And uh, Blake is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Good friends with my buddy Josh Moore at Field Supplements. That uh, is a rare occasion. You don't get a lot of guys making their UFC debut at 32 years old, which is right in the middle of their prime towards the end of it. And, uh, you know, you got to come in here and make a name for yourself quick at 32 years old. So I'm looking for a spectacular affair here. When we look at it, Shane has a kickboxing background. He does train out of city kickboxing with some bad motherfuckers. He's on a two-fight losing streak. He has not won since February of 2019. He is 2-3 in the UFC, and 6 of his 13 wins are via knockout, 4 via submission. So 10 of his 13 fights are via finish, which is, which is pretty great. Now, Blake is a Dana White Contender Series alum. He's a Cage Fury and King of the Cage alum. He is undefeated with the draw, and four of his seven wins are via submission. I do expect Blake to go to his grappling early and often here, empty that gas tank from Shane. Um, I do expect to see him get a finish. He knows just as much as anyone. All that hard work to get here, you got to make a move quickly. I'm putting Blake on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main card. We got Jimmy Crew, 26 years old with a 12 and 3 record and the number 12 next to his name, taking on Alonzo Atomic Menafield, 35 years old with a 13 and 3 record. And boy, is this an interesting bout to start the fucking night off. I am literally buying the pay per view. I have friends coming for the Super Bowl. They want to go clubbing and all this crazy shit. I'm 30. I'd rather sit at home with the Stogie and the fights, but here we are. Um, I got to buy the pay-per-view for the, for the main card itself. You know, obviously it's not that deep. We talked about one fight in the prelims, uh, one of the first fights of the night. And that's just because of my buddy's connection with Blake. I want to see him. I'm rooting for him. And, uh, I'm, I'm all about the, the homegrown wrestlers making a name for themselves, but this main card is nasty, man. Uh, Crute's on a two fight losing streak. He is still ranked in the top 15. Alonzo is on a two-fight winning streak and is trying to enter to the top 15. Crute's only 26. He's got so many years ahead of him. He was thought of so highly, though. He's trying to relive that name, um, kind of like Johnny Walker, but almost a little bit worse. And Alonzo Menafield's 35 years old. You know, he, he he's his son's starting to set. A lot of people thought he was just a, a big power puncher, a one-shot wonder, but he's on a two-fight winning streak. A win here is, is a big, big win for him. Uh, Jimmy is an orthodox fighter. He is a black belt in BJJ, a green belt in judo. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. He's on a two-fight losing streak and has not won since October of 2020 with his injuries. Five of his 12 wins are via knockout. Two of his three losses are also via knockout. He, you know, he's played aggressive as a young buck would. Then you got Alonzo. You know, he had a Juco football background out of Glendale Community College. He also played at Texas A&M Commerce in the CFL and arena football. He just looks like a middle linebacker, you know what I mean? He's a contender series LFA, RFA, and Bellator alum. He's had a long road to the UFC. Ten of his 13 wins are via knockout, and he is on a two-fight winning streak both last year and 2022. This is going to be a fun fucking fight. I mean, both fighters have knock you the fuck out power, and we just have not seen a lot from Jimmy 
the shoulder popping out, early knockout against Jamal Hill. I am so intrigued to see what we get, what version we get of Crute, and I am almost confident that he is going to show us the best version of Jimmy Crute that we all expected to see. You know, he was 24 years old, cruising into the UFC like a fucking rocket ship, the highest ceiling you could think about. I just don't know what to expect, but I'm ex- I'm going to be very confident that Jimmy Crute is going to show out. And uh, Alonzo is going to push the pace, so he's going to have to do something. Either way, I'm taking Jimmy Crute. We putting Jimmy on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, we got Justin Badman Taffa, 29 years old with a 5-3 and three record. Taking on Parker Porter, 37 years old with a 13-7 and seven record. And uh, this really is a, a matchup of a man entering his prime and another fighting for the end of his UFC career. But a guy that's really been proven and a guy that hasn't. It's kind of a weird place for this, this fight on this card. But getting some local blood on the card, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Justin is a blue belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He's one and two in the promotion since 2021. And all five of them wins are being knockout. Parker is an orthodox fighter. He's got a brown belt in BJJ. He's a Bellator alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak. And he is three and one since 2020. Now, I think this is going to be an ugly heavyweight fight. That is as long as Tafa makes weight. Uh, he did not make weight in his last heavyweight bout, which is pretty wild. I do expect Parker to do what Parker does. Um, much like I said of Blagoy Ivanov. Put your body on Tafa, tire that big boy out, and not clang and bang a ton. Um, try to um, avoid separation, find him to the ground, empty that gas tank, get the dub. I am going to take Parker Porter, or I am going to take Parker Porter in my picks, but I am not putting him on a parlay. And this fucking fight, man, I'm fucking hyped for this fight. We got three more fights on the card. We get Jack Della Madalena, 26 years old with a 13 and two record, taking on Randy Rude Boy Brown, 32 years old with a 16 and four record. And I think this is a major fight, a fight that could get fight of the night, even though we have the interim title and the pound-for-pound affair on the, on, the, on the card. I think this, this fight is the most guaranteed fight to deliver a viral finish and uh, fans at the edge of their seats getting prepped for the end of the night. The arena is going to be bonkers after this fight. Uh, stylistically, this is, you know, if you could, in certain weight classes, be like, this guy and this guy, it has to be a good matchup. That's really what this is. Jack, he's a brown belt in BJJ. He was the 2022 ESPN Men's Rookie of the Year. He'd been showing out. He's on a 13-fight winning streak. 13-fight winning streak at 26 years old. I mean, sheesh. His last two fights have been performance of the night with round one knockouts. He's been getting that bag. He's 4-0 in the UFC. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. And 11 of his 13 wins are via knockout. You want to talk about a promotions fucking golden boy. He is on track. Dana White is jizzing everywhere as we speak. Moving on, we got Randy. He's a brown belt in BJJ as well. He is a Ring of Combat alum and former champion with two successful title defenses. He's on a four-fight winning streak. Two of his four losses are via knockout. He has a five-inch reach advantage and a five-inch leg reach advantage. He he long. He lengthy. Now, as great of a stylistic matchup as this is, I do think it's going to come down to cardio. Who could throw more heat without tiring out? Jack definitely has a little bit more power, but Randy has the length. Jack is the young bull with a promising career. Randy's experienced. He's fought some dogs. He's been in some battles. So if Jack does pull this off, and I think this is definitely his toughest test in the UFC to date, I think, you know, his stock's already shooting up. He's going to be a rocket ship into space to get this win, especially if you do it with a finish like he has has done it. 
I think uh, I think Randy might win the the rounds early, but I think Jack finds a way. He finds an opening. He's just so crystal clean. And when you have the confidence that he does, I mean, most fighters don't get a 13-fight winning streak at 26 in his home country. You got to take Jack. I am not putting him on a parlay, though. Then the featherweight interim affair. We got Yair El Pantera Rodriguez, 30 years old, with a 15-3 and record and the number two next to his name, taking on Josh Mr. Clean Emmett, 37 years old with an 18 and 2 record and the number 5 next to his name. Mr. Clean is not his nickname, that is in-house. One of my good buddies and I watched the fight where he shredded his knee against Shane Burgos, still pulled off the W and said, "Golly, he looks like a shredded Mr. Clean." That's staying. Hopefully I get this rebranding going. I could put some reels, some TikToks and everything going out. Josh Emmett, that's your nickname. You know, you're 37, it's a little past its time, but I love it, and we're sticking with it. When I looked this fight up, I had to do some homework. I'm like, if I got to pick pick a winner here, I got to do some homework because there's a lot of weird shit going on when it comes to this. And the, the fact that these are the interim choices, pretty mind-blowing. I, first off, am shocked that Yair's only 30 years old. He's been doing this damn thing for quite some time, and he's fought BJ Penn. Max Holloway, 30 years old. He is going to be the best version of himself in the next year or two. And he has been in the UFC for nine years. It's just wild that I didn't even realize he's just now entering his prime. But the thing is, is he's only fought twice since the end of 2019. He had all the COVID stuff, the injuries. He had um, also come back and fought Ortega, but Ortega's shoulder popped out. So he won via injury take TKO. So the only real fight to take a lot of value from is the Max Holloway fight. And we're talking about Max fucking Holloway. If Volkanovski didn't exist, he could be one of the most dominant champions of, uh, you know, at least featherweight history. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you put it on him early. You know, he's tough. He strikes his volumes. He's so unorthodox. He does things just different. He's got that it factor. And then you got Mr. Clean. Shredded his entire knee you know, had issues with the recovery and had to have additional surgeries was off for like three something. I want to say almost three years and has come back and looked tougher than ever at 37 years old. He's still putting up bangers. Now, Yair is a black belt in Taekwondo. He is a ultimate fighter, Latin America alum, and he is the show champion. He's on a one fight winning streak, which was that injury TKO against Brian Ortega. So he technically has not won since October of 2019. Three of his last five fights have been fight of the night. He is a showman. He's got the latest knockout in UFC history with one second to spare. Four minutes and 59 seconds against the Korean Zombie. The Korean Zombie was zombie and forward. He hit him with that spinning elbow. As it came up, knocked him the fuck out. 2018 knockout of the year. Allah, the Korean Zombie. Two of his three losses are via knockout, and he does have a two-inch leg reach advantage, which I think might play a part here. Now, Josh trains out of Team Alpha Male. He's got an NAIA wrestling background at a Sacramento City College in Menlo. He has a purple belt in BJJ. Three of his last four fights, performance of the night or fight of the night, I mean, we're about to get a show. This fight... The, these last three fights are worth the pay-per-view, I'm telling you. He's on a five-fight winning streak. Six of his 18 wins are via knockout, and he's also a King of the Cage alum. Now, I said I did some study, and I watched Yair Max Holloway because I had to remember what we've got because he just has not been active, right? He had the injury win, had time off, obviously had the zombie win. I thought zombies past prime. Fought Max tough. And then I had to watch what Emmett's done. You know, has he really looked the same since that knee and since he's recovered from the knee injury? You know, he, he's not a spring chicken anymore. I watched him against Calvin Cater. Very, very close fight. Battle-tested fight. And the thing for me is Yair entering his prime is going to put in so much volume. And he's going to be everywhere that Emmett lives off his power shots. Those loopy, that loopy right hand, a couple combos, body shots. I think Yair chops that leg down early like he did with Max Holloway 
and I think he consistently puts out volume through five rounds. Calvin Cater, that left jab, he he cut Josh Emmett in that fight pretty good, was circling, but he didn't put out as much volume as we've typically seen. And I think is going to put that volume out with a lot of kicks. Body kicks, high kicks, it's not going to allow Josh to really come like, you know, uh, come with the, the big fury of power. Now, two or three Yair's losses are via knockout. There is a chance he lands, but Yair is such a hard guy to land on. Even Max, it took him, you know, a round and a half to really start doing it. And it was pushing Yair up against the cage and uh, really using the clinch to open up big shots. He's getting some knees, getting some elbows. And uh, I just don't know if jo- Josh is going to do that. He, he can. I mean, this is a, a shot for the title. This is the biggest moment of his life. But I wish this chance came earlier for Emmett. All the shit he's gone through, a guy that nobody would think would fight for the title. I'm happy he's getting the amazing chance. But past your prime, after the knee injuries, he had the delayed recovery. This is happening. He's about to turn 38, right before his 38th birthday, against a guy in his prime. The chips aren't on his side. Now, both of these guys are box office motherfuckers. I obviously can't wait. We're going to see an amazing performance. There's going to be carnage, guaranteed. I just don't see Emmett outlasting Yair for five rounds unless he gets the knockout. Again, it's possible, but it's a very tall order. And with all that time Emmett and Yair have had of the octagon, it makes this fight even more intriguing. Vegas has their the favorited odds on Yair. Worth putting some money on Emmett. I'm taking Yair in my picks, but I am not putting them on a parlay. It might be, honestly, play the money. Maybe you play them going over two and a half rounds or you play Eminem as the dog. But I can't wait. And we get pound for pound number uno, pound for pound numero dos, Islam Makachev, 31 years old, 23 and one record, taking on Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, the 34-year-old fighter with a 25 and one record, damn near similar records, a few different years in age. And, um... I mean, this is as stacked as it gets. Potentially, with what is at stake and the background of both fighters coming in, their legacy, you got Khabib's legacy, his dad, this is the best student, all the fucking things. Alexander coming in, beating one of the better champions over and over in Max Holloway in a trilogy. This is setting the stage to be the biggest fight in the history of the UFC for what's at stake and the background coming in. Pound for pound number one, Pound for pound number two. And Alexander Volkanovsky is fighting for champ champ status. Not only that, but Russia's visiting enemy territory. I mean, the script here is perfect. It doesn't get any better than that. When we break it down, Islam has a Sambo background. He's an international master of, uh, of sport and combat Sambo. He trains at an AKA. Very good record in the UFC of late. He's an M1 alum. He has the least amount of strikes absorbed per minute in UFC history with under one at 0.95. He's got the third longest winning streak in UFC lightweight history with 11. He had the 2022 submission of the year against Charles Oliveira via the MMA junkie. Your very own business at Buckus Podcast did not give it to him. I gave it to Jessica Andrade with the first standing arm triangle. He is a Sambo world champion. 11 of his 23 wins are via submission, and he does have a three and a half leg inch reach advantage, which is short as Alexander is. He has a very long reach, which is which is wild. Uh, Alexander trains at a city kickboxing. He's got a black belt in BJJ. He has four successful title defenses. Two of his last three fights have been performance of the night or fight of the night. He is tied with Arnold Allen. For the second longest winning streak in the UFC featherweight history with 10. And that's just in the UFC in the division. He is on a 22 fight winning streak. He had the 2019 breakout fighter of the year. 2022 international fighter of the year. 2021 fight of the year against Brian Ortega where he almost got choked out. And 12 of his 25 wins are via knockout. I mean these records and resumes speak for their motherfucking selves. And I really want Volkanovsky to pull this off. You know, I I really am a fan of him. The problem is I was a a big Max Holloway fan before he's in the UFC, and it sucks that he beat my boy. But uh, 
the only real great grappler that Alexander has fought that I know of is Chad Mendez. He ended up beating him by TKO. You know, this was definitely past Chad Mendez's days of, of being a wrestling stud in his prime, but still he's got that on his record. I just worry that he's not going to be able to get up and manage the process with Islam. There's a reason he's taken less than a strike per minute in UFC history and Khabib showed the path to victory. I just can't put my chips on that and bet on it. Do I believe it can happen? Absolutely. If there is a guy that is going to be Islam in the next five years, it's Volkanovsky. I shouldn't say that. With the talent that I'm always bragging about, the UFC and how it's getting better, younger fighters coming in, I actually finally got to watch the recent Joe Rogan podcast with Kamara Usman after the loss to Leon Edwards. And he's talking about how these guys are just coming in well-versatile motherfucking ninjas. He's like, I got to get out while I can. These young bloods coming in, man. And that's true. In five years, so many things could happen. The Kamzats, the Alex Piatas could come in. Who fucking knows? But um, I really do hope we get as many rounds of chaos as possible. I hope it's not an early finish. Um, I hope it's a fucking war. And I hope Volkanovsky doesn't let Islam put this fight where it belongs. But for the sake of picks, I am taking Islam Makachev. I am not putting him on a parlay. But golly, these three fights, UFC 284, we're starting 2023 off with the bang. Your boy can't wait. Then next weekend, again, a little headline change, but we get a decent Apex card. I hate these Apex cards. UFC Vegas 69, headlined by Talia Santos, Aaron Blanchfield. She's going to be a fucking problem, man. Um, the main card starts at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on ESPN+. Plus. Episode 118, rebranding coming soon. Your boy's putting in work, I promise. Uh, can't wait to break down 284 and the future fight, ne uh, fight night next weekend. See you next week.